I made Earl Grey tea lattes because we're about to spill some tea. And Earl Grey tea lattes are my absolute <laughs> favorite, so I am I'm stoked. Are you ready to welcome everyone to our show? Yes. Okay. Everybody, welcome to Skate Date. Woohoo! I'm Rebel and I'm Shove, and we are just two skaters in love who like to talk about the real world and the wheel world and our pup Bowie. Woo! <laughs> so let's jump right into it. Oh yeah! What are we talking about today, babe? Today we are talking about performative allyship. Ooh, sounds spicy. Mmm, a little sour, too. Yep. All right. Well, before we jump into the real world, we have a little fake ad for you. (laughs) Remember advertisers, companies, organizations, businesses? This could be you that we're talking about right now. Are you having trouble remembering that Black Lives Matter? Do you think it is optional to wear a mask? Do you suffer from a melanin deficiency? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then you're in luck. We have a drug for you. The The privilege privilege pill. Take it whenever you consider picking up the phone to call 911 on a black person. Or take it daily to help work towards dismantling systemic racism. Side effects may include... Humility. Becoming a better person. Or ally. Shaving your head, burning your bra, joining Antifa, and bringing down the whole system only to be told by your mom, Karen, to step home. Because now you can't do anything else. You're grounded. Caution. This pill may be hard to swallow. It's the privilege pill. (laughs) Get the privilege pill. It's important. Thanks for listening to our fake ads. We hope to sometime replace those with real ads. Now let's jump into the real world. All right, babe, we're going to talk about some performative allyship. So, Let's do it. What is performative allyship? I think in order to understand what performative allyship is, it's important to understand what allyship itself is. So allyship is when you are standing alongside and using your privilege or using your position of power in order to support support marginalized voices and to help to dismantle systemic racism in any way that you can. I think that's what allyship is. Performative allyship, on the other hand, is pretending like you care about marginalized bodies and voices, such as the Black Lives Matter movement, and only acting as though you care um, and doing things that are helpful to the movement in order to be seen by others. So your allyship isn't actually to dismantle the systems of racism that are in place. Your allyship is specifically so that people will acknowledge you as a good person, a progressive person, or a person who cares about others, but you only do things for show. That is performative allyship. Thanks, babe. So... For those listening that don't know, uh, I shove, I am black. And I am rebel and I am white. Yes. So just to give you a little 
you know, little information. So Rebel will be talking a lot about the white perspective of some of the things we'll be talking about. And I will be talking about the black perspective. And we'll talk about the, we'll engage in conversation to get each other's perspective. And hopefully that can help to give you a little perspective as well. Exactly. Um, So the reason we're talking about this is because it's something that's been weighing on my soul as a black woman. Um, I've just been noticing that you don't really see too many posts anymore. I remember my stories and feeds being uh, filled with information Mm -hmm. of protests or ways to be a better ally or promoting black artists and black skaters was black creatives period and it was very uplifting and it was all these things going on that now I have even a deeper understanding of performative allyship because I do see that my skin is no longer a trend apparently so I feel like it was just a time to like have this as a podcast to remind Mm -hmm. people that the fight is not over and maybe people will hear this and remember that they need to still be a good ally. Yeah, it's really horrible. I think especially for white people and um, non-black people, uh, I think that it is really easy to continue about your life and like spend time focusing on Black Lives Matter and even do it with all good intentions. Like I'm not even talking about people who don't have ma- who don't have good intentions. I'm talking about people who are just in non-marginalized bodies and you continue in your life and then you forget about the experiences that black people are having in America and you just like forget to mention it. And that is what we're addressing as a huge problem because that means that you weren't actually like trying to change the system. You were just trying to get likes or not get canceled or not be seen as a racist. Or be a sheep. And it's just like, oh, everyone else is doing it. So I'm going to do it too. Not necessarily because you felt in your soul like, I need to do something. So I was actually watching something and they had someone talk about um, performative allyship. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that they were a professor of a college, to be honest. And they said that people were so locked up in their house that they just saw it as a way to go outside because everyone was quarantining. So a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon of protesting for Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matter because it was something to do. It was the event. It was like, finally, I have a reason to go outside and participate and be unified. And that that kind of was even a greater pool than actually fighting for equality. That's an interesting and absolutely devastating analysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I literally was just like, that's so true. Like, and you could see that with some of the people that are out there that they were just causing more of a problem than peaceful protesting because they were just like wilding out because they were Mm -hmm. out and free after with everything being closed. But yeah, I think that sucks. Yeah, but I think we should start with a timeline. So Let's go back to the beginning of the summer. So, of course, George Floyd was murdered, and that was the final thing. But I think there were some steps leading up to that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when you first think about it, I think it was like a triple thread, a triple threat, like, that made the dominoes knock down. Yeah, that made, like, everyone finally pay attention. Like, there have been activists and 
people fighting this fight for years. Like generations. This is generations. Like this is not something that 2020 invented and that like that idea is yes. horrible. This is like a build up. Yeah, but 2020 they got Finally, the vision. Yeah. Hit it. And I think if it wasn't for the pandemic, we wouldn't be where we are and people wouldn't have seen. And I think just looking back at this timeline, you kind of see it. So we had in February Ahmad Arbery. Mm-hmm. He was murdered. And people kind of were like, you know, it was on the news. Pandemic's still happening. People are panicking about that. Um, well, it would really that when when it happened to Ahmad, I feel like it wasn't like people weren't freaking out about the pandemic yet. Mm-hmm. Because remember, like the pandemic, it really hit like the first people started panicking about it, like in March. Yeah, that's true. I feel like we just kind of knew like it was just the word. So yeah, you're right. So it was like, but us black people still felt it. And it was like one of those that's blatant racism and mm-hmm. they're going to get away with it. And I feel like people that are our allies and have been are also like in arms about it and knowing like this was an injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have in March, Brianna Taylor. And at this point, we were most of the country was already quarantined. Yeah. yeah, because of the pandemic. Exactly. And I think with there being a quarantine, people were already glued to the TV watching news because they needed updates of the pandemic. Yeah, they were paying more attention to what mm-hmm. was happening in the world. And then the discussion of Brianna Taylor brought forth back about um, Ahmad Arbery. And so it felt like it was just like, I don't know. Like It was like a confirmation yeah. to people who weren't paying attention beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like people were finally like starting to pay attention. And I feel like when it happened to Ahmad, there were some people who were like, oh, my gosh, like black people are being killed. And then when it happened to Breonna Taylor, some of those people were like, oh, this is like a thing that happens often. Like yeah. this isn't just a one time thing, which I really think devastatingly a lot of people thought with Ahmad Mm -hmm. and even with Brianna like oh that's a one-off or that's like oh two times and it's just like also like um, Ahmad wasn't by the police it was by these what was it father yeah the in the truck yeah Yeah. but was it was just as bad but then it was like oh now they're like oh now the police too which we've been saying forever police are killing us and like Mm -hmm. people are just like no that's just the statistics are off and all these excuses but it made them like think like this woman was asleep so i think that was like and a paramedic so i think Mm -hmm. that made your average white person that doesn't necessarily keep up with it actually be like wait a minute something's not right with this and then finally that brings us to george floyd in may Mm -hmm. and i think by then we have everyone already is more sensitive to everything going around. We've been in quarantine for a couple of months mm-hmm. and there was no way to ignore or no distractions. Yeah, like nobody could just pretend like it wasn't happening. Exactly. And then we go into the subculture of our roller skate community. And within that week, I can't remember if it was like the next day. It was like the next day or something like that. We have... Maybe even that day. Yeah, we have Kayla, a black skater, posting what used to be the Planet Roller Skate group and mentions George Floyd's murder and... Talks about her experience. As a black person on roller skates being harassed by the cops. 
and they were silenced. Everyone knows this story. We don't need to go in full yeah, detail. I'm not going to rehash it. But. but the only reason I'm bringing it up is because we exist in the skate community and the real world. Mm-hmm. So already we have all this weighing on our, well, on my <laughs> black heart and soul was just like in pain from that. And then added on that was like everything with Planet Roller Skate and then roller skaters kind of like showing their true colors of like what was okay and what wasn't okay, what was right and what wasn't. So it was really like you saw racism on the news and then you saw racism on YouTube and you saw it on Instagram feed of like in the roller skate community and in the real world. Yeah. And and I think because of that, it was so multi-layered. Like there were people, you were experiencing something just because of the world, but then you were also experiencing something literally in your backyard, like in your inbox, yes. on your pictures, like in the comments. And so I think that it was double the impact for you and for other uh, black skaters. Mm -hmm. And what that caused was a lot of white skaters and like just white people in the skate community, like photographers, skaters, anyone who's anyone in the skate community were messaging me and a lot of other black skaters I know just like randomly, like people that didn't even really talk to us. Just, are you okay? How are you? It was like, ask a black person how they are today. It's like, I felt like this memo or email went out. This email went out to everyone that was white. Like put up a black uh, square and text your black friend. Exactly. It was like, put a black square up with a black (laughs) and you're good. Text a black person, you know, because I felt like it was the same message I was getting. And I was like, it felt weird. It felt Mm -hmm. like, why are you asking me? Like, you never cared before. Like, black people have been killed before. No one asked me how I was then. And then all of a sudden, like, people are offering money. All these things that I was just like, I don't get what's happening right now. And I'm already dealing with my own, my own pain. So I remember also someone did a study and they said the effects of a black person being murdered um, maliciously, like when you see it on tape and they put it on the Internet or on the news, that that harm will affect black people psychologically for up to three months. Mm. Yeah. And so I feel like a lot of us are trying to deal with just the fact that we're seeing that we're getting murdered and that people are getting away with it and it's like affecting us. And then we have all these people just all of a sudden trying to be there for us, which at first was nice, but then it just felt very fake. And I felt like this just seems like off. Like at first it felt nice though, but I don't know. Did you as a white person feel like the need to ask other black people, like ask black people, like how they were doing? I definitely think that that was one of those things that people were like, oh, you're white. You need to make sure that your black friends are okay. And I think that for me, what I was felt compelled to do during that time was to check on the people that I was actually friends with. So I wasn't like texting random black people that I hadn't talked to before or that I've only talked to once or twice. It was more like me sending messages to my friends that are black who I knew had kids and offering to send them dinner. Um, I sent a couple people money and Mm -hmm. things like that but it wasn't it wasn't like random people it was like people that I already had their Venmo for 
You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. people who I knew needed food, or I think it yeah, was I like that. I sent like a a nice handwritten note to someone, but it wasn't random people. Yeah, it just felt weird, and it was like people that I don't maybe like will like a post or something, but if it was like. I don't know, like, you're in my inbox just, like, trying to be, like, you have me. And I guess, like, I knew it was from the goodness of their heart. It just felt strange. And I felt like that's something we don't talk about. And I know I'm not the only other person that feels this way. And I had the feeling. So, like, the first person that offered me money and I felt like I shouldn't say yes. I just felt like, oh, I don't know. Like, this is this weird. And... I logged on to the Black Roller Derby Network and I sure enough, I saw someone had posts like any of y'all being offered money by random white people. (laughs) And I was like, it's a thing. It's not just me. Like, this is happening. And a lot of people were just like, I call it reparations or like, um, I think it's weird. So like, I feel like everyone felt different. Like some people were like, oh, it's cool, you know? So I think like everyone had a different way to see it. And that's why we saw like an uprise of people like, Sharing in their story, like, here's my Venmo, here's my cash app, like, help a help a yeah. black skater. I definitely think that in white communities, there was, like, ideas going around that good things to do is, one, like, check and make sure that your black friends are okay, and, like, two, give money. And people were using the word reparations. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. give, give a black person five bucks today. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, a thing that people were telling other white people to do. But, like, I feel like no one really communicated, like, is this a good idea? Like, I definitely feel like in that moment, like, white people (laughs) didn't talk to black people, actually, about that. Or the fact that it was, like, one and done. Like, okay, it did that. And then it's like, okay, so you bought from a black maker one time one month because protests and riots were going on and black lives matter was trending and now that it's all over it's like no well i did that once and it's like all of a sudden you stop supporting black creatives you stop creating uh supporting black businesses and it's like it just feels like black lives matter was made a trend and now it's no longer cool so and no one really cares. It's just slowly disappearing. And now I only see black skaters posting any kind of information that has to do with mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, or Black trans lives or anything. And all my white people that I follow for the most part, like 90 percent of them, it's just skating in the streets and making reels and TikToks again. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it's like a cute photo. And then like the afterthought where it's just like a hashtag Black Lives Still Matter, like it's like they're doing that just because they want to be able to get away with posting that they're living their life back normal because it's their white guilt. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like, I don't know. It's like roller skating's trending and so is my skin color, but it looks like the roller skate trend is still going to last longer than um, my skin did, unfortunately. And also what else went on with that was that people were reaching out to black creatives for opportunities for interviews like crazy um for modeling gigs for roller skate gigs like all this stuff and we were in mourning we're like we're looking at the tv every day and seeing black people getting taken in for fighting for equality and acab and all this stuff and here we are like just struggling and like people are offering us offering us opportunities and like I know a lot of us tried to say yes to some, but some of them we just couldn't. And then they just never reached out again because they didn't think about the fact that we're also in pain. And 
or the opportunities started slowing down Mm -hmm. because now it's like, okay, well, all these magazines realize that roller skating was trending. Let's get to roller skaters. Oh, all the white skaters are saying, talk to a black skater. So now they care about all these black skaters. So they're doing that. But it's like, is it going to last or is it just a trend? Yeah. Like, do you really care? Or I don't know. You just don't want to anger the community. So, I mean, we'll see. We just have to keep watching. Yeah, and that's definitely, like, what performative allyship is. It's doing something while it's trendy, and then as soon as it's not trendy, then you find something else to care about. And, like, black lives are not a trend, and white people, as as people who have been born with and have grown up and have experienced privilege consistently throughout our lives, like, we can't stop fighting for black lives to be equal. And that is something that we need to find ways to remind ourselves that we have to keep fighting that because unfortunately the way humans are like, we'll if we're not encountering it as like an issue, we'll put it on the back burner and just focus on ourselves. So like what we need to do is we need to, create reminders for ourselves to continue and be steadfast in our allyship. You know, set a reminder on your phone every day to, you know, figure out a good way to be an ally that day. You know, pick one thing. Start, pick up that book that you bought during the Black Lives Matter (laughs) time where everyone was selling out all of the books. Yeah, they all sold out, but I wonder how many people actually completed those books. That's what I'm saying. Like, like put a timer on your phone and and continue reading that book. I know I'm guilty of that. Like, I have several books, and yeah, I'm in the middle of them, but did school start, and did I stop reading those books? Yes. So I need to be better at you know, continuing my reading and continuing my education. And I want to say, like, we're not saying you can't live your life and be happy. Like, you can do those things. It doesn't have to be Black Lives Matter 24-7. I'm militant. I'm only fighting for the rights of other. You got to remember why life is worth living as well. And it's all about balance. It's like, just do things here, here and there. Everyone went so hard in the paint. And I think some people just experienced burnout or didn't know what to do anymore. And I think to be an ally, you need to just keep going and know that, like, you don't necessarily have to ask someone, hi, how are you? Checking in robotically. There's different ways to make sure someone's okay without asking, are you okay? It could just be Mm -hmm. like, hey, I randomly was thinking about you. How have you been? Just keep it natural. Yeah. Make it seem like you actually want to be this person's friend. Not that they're a black person and I'm a white person and I'm going to message them to make sure they're okay as a black person. It should be more just like, I see this person is hurting or that their community is hurting and I'm just going to check in to see if they need something. You should not be going down your contact list trying to figure out who your black friends are. <laughs> True, true. So I think it just needs to be more organically and it needs to continue. It shouldn't have just fizzled out. Mm-hmm. It's just flat soda now that no one wants. Yeah. It's like, okay, like one and done. I, yeah. was, I made sure. Don't, don't be <laughs> Don't be scared to be an ally. Don't be scared to protest. Don't be scared to post things about Black Lives Matter. Like, don't know that like, 
your job as an ally is to stand up and to give people who are not given the same opportunity as you a voice. And that's it. So if you are able to find ways to be empathetic, if you are able to find ways to give, and if you can't give, to donate your time, and if you can't donate your time, to donate a social distance hug or, you know, a nice message, but like to a person that you know and are friends with, you know, not some random person. But also there are so many, this is the thing. The reason why for me it's weird that we're just kind of like, hey, let me just send random people money and let me like check in on random people Mm -hmm. is that there are so many black people specifically that are saying, hey, I really need this money. Yep. There are so many people putting up their Venmos or their cash apps. There are so many GoFundMes. There are so many organizations that you can donate to that it seems random for you to just like go through your phone and find like the first black person that you have contact for and send them money. Like, why aren't you? Yeah, honestly, like when people, for the most part, like when they offer me money, I say, Please sign up for my Patreon, um, buy me a Kofi, buy my art even more than anything else, because I like sometimes we just don't want what we think feels like a handout. And I like some of us are just very proud and I like I am a proud person. I'll admit that. So for me, I appreciate knowing that like I created something that you respect and want to buy. And that means more. Like, go to my shop, favorite it, um, favorite some items, like, support it, rep my 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 artwork, you know? My it stickers. costs nothing to repost and to tag a, a Black creator or a Black artist. Yeah. It costs zero dollars. You don't have to put money in it. It's like, just, there's so many ways to be supportive. And I just feel like I know, like, I'm grateful for them getting people who are putting me in, like, these reposts that kept popping up where it was mm-hmm. like, 10 black skaters to follow and that's awesome but and i'm grateful for that but it's like again that trended for a month and then it stopped and it's not me saying like please share me and it shouldn't have done just the me and the same other nine skaters yeah there's so many black skaters out there so many i think that a really big important part of being a ally and this is not just for white people this is also for poc that aren't black um it is making sure that there is a change in your lifestyle to incorporate black business, black creators, and supporting black lives. So when you're going to buy something on Etsy or if you're going to buy like any sort of good that you have, are you stopping and taking the time to see if there is a black business owner who sells that item? Because if you're not, that's an opportunity for you to give money to black people and support black lives and support black joy. You need to make sure that the things that you do, that those things you're doing consciously, like we constantly are are talking about how we need to eat consciously or purchase consciously when it comes to the environment, but that's not the only way we need to be conscious Mm -hmm. with our money and the way we live our lives. We need to be not only aware of the planet that we're on, but we also need to be aware of the human beings that we 
live life nearby, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's for white people, for allies, it is about changing your lifestyle. It's not so much about saying you read the five anti-racist books or that you posted every time that hashtag Black Lives Matter was trending. It's about how you live your life. And how you're letting your impact positively impact others. So long story short, being ally, being an ally is a lifestyle change. It is. Yeah. It's just something if you incorporate it and part of your day to day things, just like you said, it'll become more natural Mm -hmm. for sure. Do you have any last thoughts? I just want to let anyone who's black that's listening or watching this know That if you feel like me and you kind of feel like this was going to be the movement that finally worked, I know it's like, it kind of hurts because you're like, this is it. People are finally listening. And I just want you to remember that we have won some small battles here and there. So you need to look at the light and that definitely this is a long journey. It's going to take time. Like, how long have our people been trying to fight for equality and against police brutality? So I just want to say, like, keep the love strong in the community and keep just living your best life. And we're doing as much as we can to move our own people forward. And just remember, we do have some allies that are here and true. And not to let the other allies that just kind of let you drop off with the trend. uh, Don't let that affect you. Just try to focus on the good that we have one another. And I love y'all. Yeah, and dear white people, I think it's important now more than ever to really make an effort and to be conscious in our allyship, meaning to make those small changes in your life that will really make an impact on other people, including the black people around you, and that you can possibly impact their lives just by like shopping black businesses and supporting black creators. Find one thing you can do every day to be a good ally and keep other people in check that are white people who are saying problematic shit. Keep them in check. Yes. (laughs) You can do it. White people, you can make a difference. You can be a positive impact. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself (laughs) and check your friends. All right. That was the real world. And now it's time for the wheel world. Now it's time for the wheel world. What's happening in the wheel world, babe? Well, there's actually something really exciting happening in the wheel world. Actually coming up on September 25th through September 26th. From noon to noon. Yeah, there is a 24-hour skate-a-thon, which is so cool. What a cool idea, right? Yeah, the event's called Skate for Lebanon. It's ran by Sojo. And what it is, is it's just a bunch of skaters teaching lessons, holding discussions, and it's going on for 24 hours. Yep. And it's all going to be online. The tickets you can get now on freeborderskate.com. Oh, .org. Yeah, freeborderskate.org. Yeah. And they are $20 each. Yep. And that gives you access to the whole 24-hour event, right? Exactly. Also, I will be on the panel discussing body positivity and self-love. Love and the skate community and Ooh, I love 
love it. It feels good to donate a little bit of my time. Um, the whole point of this is to raise money for over the over 300,000 homeless people that have been displaced by the explosion in Lebanon and everything that happened there. And so it's really to reach out to the people and throw our support and unite as a skate community to help out the people in Lebanon. Exactly. So go check that out. And yeah. And I feel like we know there's a lot of good work that's been going on overseas, which is great. And I yeah, love I that awesome. skaters are getting involved. And there's definitely countries that they have way less than us. So I think that's a really great thing. I f- wish that more people, and I'll hold ourselves accountable for this, did things like this here in our own backyard just as hard as we do it overseas. Like, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, there's definitely like conversations that we've been having recently about like, how are we helping the people in Long Beach? How are we helping the people in LA? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And then it's like, Long Beach is this roller skating hub. And I just feel like, yeah, there's classes here and there. Like there used to be like free learn how to skate classes in the summer, Mm -hmm. pre COVID and all this stuff. But I feel like Long Beach gets everything and Long Beach can be pretty affluent as much as it there's poor areas. But I think when we come right into a drive 15 minutes north, we have people that are way much more in need yeah. financially and like they could never afford roller skates even over $50. Like skate supplies, like pads or anything like that. Exactly. And I feel like as someone that grew up in Compton for a big chunk of my life, like I know if I would have had something like roller skating and like knew there was like a skate community back then, I definitely would not have chose the life I did, like the road of Mm -hmm. like drugs and just like getting in trouble. Like I probably would have had another outlet. Yeah, it just seems like we have this amazing theme, right? And Mm -hmm. like roller skating for both you and I has been such therapy and has helped us cope with Mm -hmm. so many things. And imagine like the fact that we have this joy and this amazing thing and we're not sharing it with as many people as we possibly can. It's like, how else can we spread that joy and give that joy to people who can't necessarily afford roller skates yep. of any cause. Yeah, like I know that there's a group uh skate cella that's uh southeast LA and I know that they were like rounding up the extra skates they had and let like people that wanted to come out in the community meet them at the skate park and would let them like loan what looks like a loaner box and they could like use skates and everything. And it was a really cool program. I wish I knew more about it, but I know they were doing great things uh last summer and then of course this summer was ruined because COVID ruined everything. But I wonder, like, if you're listening, like, is there anything in your town or near you? I bet you. So this is I bet you there is like, I'm sure that there are people out there doing things for their communities. It's just I think what's a problem is that we don't know about it. Like, why? Why aren't we hearing about these things happening? And why aren't we being encouraged to help out? And so basically, this is. What I want to say is me and Rebel were talking about this and. I want to be more involved and I want to know that, well, I know that I don't have 
a lot of money to like back up well this feeling i have yeah right <laughs> it's hard when you don't have money to back up but the guess what i have thousands of followers yeah. <laughs> and i'm sure some of them can help and sometimes just like giving someone a platform can help so i want to know we want to know like do you have a program that helps people that need that don't have the financial that don't have the financials to be able to like buy roller skates and they want it because you got to see that roller skates for young people not just little girls like can can keep you out of trouble can change your life like yeah i just think it's like the greatest after school program yeah right (laughs) right i so what we want to know is what is the thing that you're doing or the thing in your community that's helping out those who can't afford roller skates and we want you to email us and tell us about it so that we can blast you out there we want to bring attention to your community program and hopefully get more skaters to help you out and to bring awareness for skaters who maybe can't afford skates and don't know where to go yeah like do you give free lessons on zoom or something or like because now it's covid too so i know a lot of these programs maybe they were going hard Mm pre-covid and now it's like well we can't really meet up and be like here borrow my skates that's (laughs) cross contamination yeah that's not safe but but i just want to know like was it something that was going on last summer or like something we have plans in the future i just want to know yeah and if you (laughs) don't have one think about making one If you're feeling that little tug in your heart that you want to do something good for the skate community, consider this your sign. Definitely. I don't know. I just feel like seeing people that give so much time and energy to help others, it's like so cool. Like, I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. just like there's little things I've done in the past. And I definitely love that when you give from your heart to someone that needs something, it just gives you the fuzzies inside. And the fact that I know, like, I could also do that, but add skating to it is like, I don't know, it's a double down. It's super awesome. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's that's the wheel world. Woo. Moving on over to Two Girls, One Pup. Two Girls, One Pup. Bowie, where are you? Bobo, it's time. That's right. It's Two Girls, One Pup, and Bowie is here. All right, y'all. So we got we got a real, 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 real story. Oh, Bobo, you're gonna put. There we go. Oh, Oh. he's smelling the microphone. That's Mr. Bowie, with all his glory. So this week, what happened with Mr. Bowie? Bowie is um, he's old. He's gonna be eight in November, and he is deaf, and we think he's going blind. So I came home from school. I go to night school two to three times a night. They haven't figured it out. That's another story. But I go to Cosmo. (laughs) I go to Cosmo school at night. So I get home and Rebel's sitting at her desk. And Mr. Trusty partner. Yeah. Mr. Bowie goes to work with her in her office, which is our living room pretty much. He has a little bed right next to my desk. And he was awake, fully awake. He saw me. I take off my shoes. And I do this thing where I like mosey on over and I rub, give him a little like neck massage with my toes. Like I rub, I rub. <laughs> Wait, that sounds so not. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he loves it. It's like, oh, he likes it because it's like one, like I don't got to bend over and pick his little butt up. And then he, oh I can give him a little, <laughs> give a little massage my foot. So I do it all the time. 
And his eyes were open. I go, I lift up my foot and I come towards him and he like moved like he was going to bite my ankle. And I was like, what? what? And I was like, no, you're tripping. Like Bobo loves me. He wouldn't try to bite me. He really me. does love you, babe. So I tell Rubble like, oh, I didn't even, I don't even think I no, told you. No, you didn't. You were just like, I, you got my attention because I looked down when yeah. you did it. So I go again and I moved a little slower with my foot to massage his Mr. Thickneck again. Mr. Thickneck. <laughs> and he straight up bit me. <laughs> it was so rude. It was like, Bowie, are you kidding me? I had to and yell at him. He's like missing a lot of teeth and they're like all like scattered. Scattered and they're like so scattered to the wind. It didn't hurt, but he definitely like clinched and it was real quick. But I was just and like in bite. shock. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, what? So I think it's because I came towards the side of him. And I remember how you were saying, like, you feel like he can't really see out of one yeah, eye I anymore. Yeah, like can't see out of one so of his eyes. So maybe he got startled. Like, yeah, he saw me, but he didn't know I was about to, like, touch him from the side. But I don't know. Rebel scared me because she said it's because he's going senile. He's kind of senile a little bit. And it just made me really sad. Yeah, I know. So then, okay, so Bowie has these hot spots on his side. I call them as bullet holes. They straight up look like bullet holes. It's yeah, really sad. It's, it's on the same. It looks like he was just walking down the street in the wrong neighborhood and a drive-by happened and it was the like, worst. boom, boom, two in the leg. But yeah. Okay, so I was like, oh, no, babe, I'm worried about him because he has these things going on on his leg and she told me it was cancer because his fur was falling out and that was very mean of me and i I need to apologize it was because my weird coping mechanisms with anything that's health related whether it's human or animal my thing is just to make a morbid joke about it and also i wanted her to feel the pain i felt when she told me he was going senile i'm sorry i didn't know that that was going to hurt your feelings i know i'm sorry i hurt your feelings babe mm-hmm. but i want bobo to live forever i also want bobo to live forever and he's old and i knew this cuz i was like i want an old dog and i'll always want old dogs which means they you know, they're here for a good time, not a long time. But I don't want Bobo to, like, forget who I am. He's not gonna. <laughs> but, He's yeah. So, that was the big thing with Mr. Bowie this week, is that he tried to kill me, but he still loves me. <laughs> yep. That's two girls, one pup. Thanks for hanging out, Bowie. That was me. <laughs> Definitely Bowie. That was Bowie for sure. Ooh, well, time for Dear Shovel. Dear Shovel, it's like Dear Abby, but to us, Shove and Rebel, and we don't give good answers. We give whatever answers come to the top of our heads. Uh, And we'll probably go off random tangents. All right, welcome. (laughs) So we have Miss Bubbly B. They say, I want to get into makeup, but I don't know where to start. I'm just so confused about what I'll need and how to use it all. I see the looks that you two do, and I'm just wondering if you have any advice for the absolute beginner. I'd love to be able to do what you do. Thanks for your super confused skate friend, Miss Bubbly B. Wait, that's so cute. And I totally relate to that feeling because I remember 
being like, okay, it's time for me to wear makeup now and just not knowing what in the crap to put on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I remember just digging in my mom's, like, jewelry box and just being like, these, I guess I'm using this. And, like, I wasn't putting it on the right place. Like, yeah. yeah. I just think of, like, all the stages of things I've done wrong. Oh, my gosh. Like, I remember the worst was probably when I was like, all right. I'm going to try to figure this contour thing out. And sometimes, like, Facebook memories will remind me, and I'm like, oh, my (laughs) fucking God. What was I thinking? It's, like, so white, so dark. It's in weird places. It's not blended. Yeah, and I'm, like, definitely, like, did not know how to just keep blending. Oh, and Uh, I still mess things up, like, to this day. Like, every once in a while, Shove will be like, what are you doing, Rebel? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, like this. And she's like, that's not the way you put on makeup. And I'm like, well, you know what? It looks just fine to me. So this is what I'm going with. Yeah, I don't know. Like, remember, I remember being in high school and thinking I could just wear black eyeliner, like, on my waterline, of course. Pencil, not liquid. Yeah, of course. I never use pencil. pencil. Um, No mascara. (laughs) And like blush. Yeah, no. And then I'd wear lipstick and be like, I have a full piece of makeup on. And it'd always be like black or red lipstick that I had to take off before I got home or else my dad would kill me. Yeah, lipstick. Yeah, red lipstick for sure. Um, Blush and eyeliner, like pencil eyeliner. Wet and wild and then if i could i would steal my mom's like maybelline that pink and green bottle the eye the mascara <laughs> but she was I I, like i was trying not to <coughs> i remember like trying not to let her know that i was stealing her makeup <laughs> so i would put it back in like the exact oh, spot that i found MG. it you just reminded me that, like, by the time I was a senior, because I was so goth, I was like, I'm a punk goth, I started wearing my mom's liquid foundation, and <gasps> y'all, my mom no. is white. She was whiter than Rebel no. White. And I just thought, it makes me look more pale, so it's goth. But it was, like, watery cover girl, too. So by the end of the day, all my old acne show- scars were still showing. It was- I just looked ashy. Oh, my god! With my sponge, smudge black liner and my black lipstick. I was, like, I looked like Nancy from The Craft at the end of a 24-hour rave. Like, oh my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> that reminded me that I used to steal my mom's foundation and coverage. And my mom's Mexican. Like, she's a light-skinned Mexican, but she is Mexican. And so, like, I was like, this is this is the makeup. This is close enough. It was not close enough, ladies. Yeah. So, anyways, like I said, there would be a tangent. So... I would say it's really hard for when you're a beginner. It's really hard when you're a beginner. Yeah. But I think it's easier now than it ever has been because of YouTube. Right? I see everyone in, like, middle school with a full beat. They look so good. And I'm like, I looked like trash. Where's your awkward stage? It's not fair. I had to be super awkward, have the worst makeup for years until I was, like, 23 did I start having, That's why there's, like, so many glow-ups for us, like, our generation. Yeah. But the younger generation is just, like, I've been glowing up. I woke up like that. It's like their (laughs) glow-up is, like, I just changed 
like my look. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> even when I remember first looking up YouTube tutorials for makeup, like YouTube was nothing like it, it was is now. Nothing like, like it is now. If you got a makeup tutorial, it was from random Becky up the street that didn't know what the heck yeah, she was doing. She didn't either. know what she was doing. It definitely <laughs> wasn't like professional makeup artists. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. So I would say the things that you want to start out with. I would buy some sort of either tinted moisturizer or foundation, depending on the amount of coverage you want to get. Mm -hmm. And you need to get color matched. So you need to go to the store, probably post-COVID. I don't know if they're doing it right now, but you need they're to check your... Yeah, right now. You need to get your color checked, and they'll tell you what color of foundation or tinted moisturizer yep. or whatever to get. You should probably get concealer, depending on if you need coverage or not. Like, yeah. or if you have dark circles under your eyes or mm-hmm. acne or anything like that. Something for the brows. Mm-hmm. So whether that is like a dip brow pomade or a pencil or a liquid of some kind, something for the brows, mascara. <laughs> to make your eyes pop. To make your eyes pop. Um, You want eyeliner. I suggest doing liquid eyeliner. <laughs> I like liquid eyeliner. You want some sort of eyeshadow and then some sort of lip color. Okay. So, okay, but also blush and okay. also highlighter. Okay. I live without, okay. That's way too many Babe, things. You're I'm overwhelming crazy. them. Let Auntie Shove help you. Okay, I would just buy <laughs> all. right. So, you're a beginner. You just need to know where to start. To be honest, like, let's say I'm like, I'm having a good day and I don't need a full beat. My go-tos are moisturizer. Moisturizer face, because as long as it's moisturized, it's just going to have this natural glow. Dewy glow. So no foundation, no nothing. If you want to put a little foundation, or not foundation, but concealer on like a bad scar, do that, buff it out. You're good, but not necessary. Scars are fine. Who cares, right? So you have a moisturized face. You have a natural glow, but then you need some real glow. So I'll put a little bit of highlighter on my cheekbones and the tip of my nose. So I'm just like, ooh, she's glowy. She's natural, but she's glowy. Then you get the mascara. You make those eyelashes pop. You draw some brows and you put a lipstick on. Okay, but you might also need blush if you don't have red in your skin tone. Like, if you don't have a warm skin tone, you might need to add blush. I always add a little bit of blush. It just gives me a little bit of life in my cheeks, and sometimes I put it on the edge of my nose. Yeah, to be youthful. I only use blush if I'm going for, like, that e-girl look. So I'll, like, pack it on really high on my apples on my cheeks, and then I'll, like, go across the tip of my nose as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, really, really, when it comes down to it, tinted moisturizer, eyebrows, and mascara. Makeup's just, like, it. you shouldn't, I think you have more fun with makeup when you don't take it so seriously. Yeah. Remember that your eyebrows are sisters, not twins. They're never going to match perfectly. Your eyeshadow and your wing liner is never going to be perfect. Well, for some of you, it will, and then you're a fucking bitch, and I hate you. Right. You're so lucky. I love you. I want to be you. I can't do it. I've never been able to perfectly (laughs) wing my eyeliner. You are actually really good at it. Yeah, I have like bad days. I'll have like bad weeks where I'm just like, my eyes have not matched a single time that I've done makeup. And then there'll be like a month where I'm like, yes, get it. Glowing up 24-7. And then I go back to being a trash panda. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's like, you know, if the gods smile upon me. <laughs> I think that the number one thing to answer this question, and this is just because I think that skincare is like number one most important of all things. I think that you need to make sure that you're taking care of your skin first. Mm-hmm. So before you even think about like doing moisturizer as a part of your makeup routine, you should be moisturizing, making sure your face is clean every morning and night, toning it and putting moisturizer on it every morning and night. Yeah, because you want to put fresh paint on like a rusted, beat up old Buick. Yeah, you want to just make sure that you are taking care of and loving your skin. And everyone, if you don't want to uh, get wrinkles in your neck when you're older, like if you want to make sure you like keep your skin looking beautiful, glowy, dewy, all of those things, then moisturize now and include your neck in said moisturizing. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, we probably didn't help you at all. But there's tutorials <laughs> online. I randomly go online and do my makeup. And I don't really tell you what I'm doing, but it's a visual. <laughs> yeah. People have asked me to do, like, makeup tutorials. And I'm like, do you know that I don't actually know what I'm doing? I'm me just too. making it up. Every time. I'm all like, I don't know how I make myself look this amazing. I'm I not just, a professional. I just throw some stuff on there. I smack it with a dirty sponge. I mix it with a You really thing. should clean your sponges, babe. You know... I spray it with rose water and I say a prayer. <laughs> God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. Damn Skippy, babe. <laughs> I don't know. I am a f- self-proclaimed trash panda. It's okay. It is okay. Mm-hmm. So anyways. So anyways, I hope that was a sufficient answer <laughs> to what do I do about makeup? Oh, and lastly, don't spend a lot of money. You don't always Oh, yeah, don't spend a lot of money. You don't need to. You're good. You're good. You're good. Research, like, the best products (laughs) and then be like, what are the best products I can get from drugstores? Because, like, for example, the e.l.f. primer is bomb diggity and it's, like, $8. Exactly. So that wraps it up That's for our it. second episode. Skate we date. did it, y'all. And it looks like we're going to be going ahead and doing this every week instead of bi-weekly, babe. Yeah, I think so. We just couldn't stay away. Yeah. I just really like going on dates with Shuff. <laughs> oh, me too, babe. And what's really cool is while we were recording this, my little iPad had a little alert that said that we've reached 250 downloads. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank, Thank you, you all so much. They like me. They really like me. So I guess we're going <laughs> to keep doing this then. Yeah, I think we're sticking around. And what's really cool is we have an update of where you can listen to us now. Babe, take it away. All right. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Deezer, Listen Notes, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castra, and Castbox. I don't know what and 90% YouTube. of those are. <laughs> I'm learning all of the things. I've been doing the behind the stuff, behind behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. So I'm learning. Rebel's so good at analytics and stuff because she's a YouTube star. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But, you know, wherever you listen to us, please like it, favorite, follow it, subscribe, leave us a review, turn on notification bells so you know when our latest episode drops. Yeah. And what we've decided that we're going to do in order to encourage you all to leave reviews for us is we are going to go through the reviews that were left on the various um, 
different platforms. I think the Apple podcast is like the most important one. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go through the reviews that were left in the last week and then we will pick one and we will shout out your name on our podcast. Woohoo! Yeah. So if you want to be shouted out on our podcast, put a review on our podcast wherever I'm you get your podcast at. Totally not nervous about being judged. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. Oh, I'm scared. Please leave five stars. <laughs> be nice to us. Um, I've had too many Yelp, bad Yelp reviews in my when, service But time. that was, okay, yeah, me too. But that was when I worked at Red Robin, not when I worked at Skate Date, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's All to right. starting new, babe. Here's to starting new. All right, <laughs> see you guys next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, see you next week. Love ya. Love you. Hope